Um, okay, what we want to do this, this morning, um, we're, we're kind of rounding off our whole uh, thought on Kairos, but as I said um, a couple of weeks ago, this isn't rounding it off as in we're just packing everything away, everything that we're about, we know we're in a Kairos moment. And actually when you look around the world and what God is doing in different places around the world and what churches are feeling, you hear the sound of Kairos um, all over the place, not just in family church, because he's one Holy Spirit speaking the same things to his church, his body across um, the earth. And so we're just so thankful to be here and what God um, is doing. But today um, we want to finish off this um, series of teaching by just hearing from a couple of people um, from within the congregation about what Kairos uh, means to them, just sharing a bit of their story, their journey. And uh, so we're going to hear, be hearing from a couple of people. And first off is uh, Brenda. And uh, so let's just give Brenda a massive welcome, a round of applause. She just comes and shares a few thoughts this morning. Good morning, everybody. Right. Um, Kairos moment. So for me, I'll start with my name, Brenda. So it's a bold time. Okay? So there's a time to be bold. There's a time of faith. If I look at the three messages we looked at, the most common word there was purpose. Um, And the stories that were shared, we talked about Esther, we talked about Nehemiah, we talked about, we didn't talk about Noah, but Noah had a Kairos moment. He was called and told, hello man, you get to prepare the ark. You tell everybody they've been naughty. Get on the boat because I'm going to send down flood. I mean, I would tell God, <laughs> you're joking, right? <laughs> but it, it must have stressed him a lot to hear the father. All humankind are going to be destroyed. It would stress him. But he still listened, so he was bold. He saw that purpose. He saw the vision that God was showing him. This is how it's going to work. I believe he's never built a boat before. I don't even think he's used one. And God gave him all the schematics. God gave him all the design. He had to be a mathematician. He had to be a designer. He had to make different rooms. Now he even has to talk to animals and tell animals, one, two, three, Woman, male, you have to follow me because you have to give birth to babies. Seriously? So it just, it's weird, you know? And then he has to tell his family, my wife, my children, get ready. We're getting into a boat. I mean, for those of us who watch Love Island and, you know, EastEnders, like, God, you can't take me away from my routine. I'm used to this. This is what I'm used to. But that's what God is calling out. Come out of your daily routine. Come and pray. Come and fast. Come and build me a boat. Come and speak to people on the streets. And we are like, "Mm -mm, no. But Noah left everything. And he followed. So did Esther. What about Moses? Moses did the same. 
he was lovely in a good palace. I mean, God has saved his life once in the basket, and God now calls him, say, this is the time. I have something better. You're going to take all these children of Israel and move them out of Egypt. <laughs> he said, oh God, I'm not good at speaking. I have dyslexia. I am disabled. I stammer. I couldn't possibly even go to the man I call my father and tell him that there's a God who's told me to take these children out of, of this place. Then he, he did what he had to do in his own human form, killed somebody, ran away, and God still shocked him, spoke to him through the fire. What? I will run away. I can't take all that stuff. <laughs> but he was still listening. And then he, he confronts God. He wasn't quiet, so I repeat that word again, bold. He goes to God and he says, who do I tell these children of Israelites sent me? Who do I tell them? And he said, he didn't say, tell them I'm the God of Israelites. Tell them I'm your healer. Tell them I'm your redeemer. No, he says to him, tell them that I am sent me. That's his all, everything. Now, God doesn't just say that in that situation. He proves himself. Just look at all the plagues. I mean, even the Oscar cannot win that award. It was amazing. You know, send him low cost, send him flies, you know, just made the life of Pharaoh like a tiny thing in his hand, just playing with him. And the more God pushes in, the more the enemy pushes in. Pharaoh hardens his heart, but God said, you don't know what you're into. I have a plan, and this road that I'm going to take this, my children, through, nothing. Yeah. Then he splits the Red Sea. I, I, I don't understand. But he uses that word, I am. So the Kairos moment, for me, has to be a time we are listening and it's not our time, it's God's time. It's that God's time of vision for us. And for us as family church, I saw at the beginning when we started the first one, I saw God saying to us that I have blessed you, just like he spoke to the Revelation church. I saw God saying, I think I prayed here and I said, I saw God blessing us that we all have different talent, talents in here, different skill sets, different profession, and we are not here by accident. There's a reason. And that time will come. Just like Moses was saved and the time came. I think that we are very well positioned here in Lee Park for something. And the COVID time has happened, and we've kind of moved as well into the Kairos moment. We've positioned to a place of purpose now, which is more spiritual, as opposed to us just, you know, trying to fluff off and give chocolates. We are now more going to take the chocolate and pray on this chocolate and target the people and go into, you know, those buildings out there, that one that is newly built, and tell them, we are here. And we're waving on the street to people who are driving and say, come in. Come and see what God wants to do. So it says, 
The person who has talent one hid his. So some of us are in that group. The person who has talent two multiplied it. The one who has five multiplied his. We are all in that stage. Now the second part of the Kairos moment doesn't mean that because God has spoken to us that we are going to not be without trouble. That it's just going to be a smooth, fluffy ride. Fairy tale, it's all done. Phew, God, you are super, I love you. No, man, you're going to be beaten. You're going to be smashed. And you will almost question, did you actually tell me to believe? Because I am lost and I don't know what you're doing, you know. So I see the Kairos moment as a time to, as he says, be on the alert. Be persistent. Be, you know, keep Stay on track and keep that focus, you know. I want to share a story that I've not shared in a large crowd like this. But this is what happened to me. When I came back to the United Kingdom, I was born here. I was born in Scotland. And because I hadn't lived here, when I came in, I was told, you can't, you have to go back to your country of origin and get your papers sorted. I was very confused. I was like, no, I don't really have anyone back home because I've left the country for quite some time. So I got ready and I went back home. I'm from Nigeria, so I went back home. When I got home, I met my dad and my uncle. My dad was already partially paralyzed, so... He could hardly speak or communicate properly. So I went in, put in my application for my right of abode here. And on the interview stage, I, was, I showed them my dad's passport. Then they didn't have all the visas because he was a student here, including my mom. They didn't have all the, you know, there's no connection between my dad and myself. So the lady, she questioned me and she said, I mean, this gentleman's photo you have here could be anybody. It's not your dad, you know? And my dad has changed his name, so my son's name had changed. So it was hard to prove anything, even though I had my birth certificate. So I was really down. I, I became depressed. I became really frustrated because I went into the message last week, which was, I was hopeless. I felt really, wow, where do I start from? I'm not going to be able to survive in this country, I'll just go mad. So I went to my uncle, I told him everything that has happened. He was, you know, sorry, but then he didn't know what to do as well. I couldn't talk to my father, he was poorly, so I couldn't do anything. Wow, I got confused, really, really confused. So I went, an idea came to my mind. I went to my dad's um, place of work then where he worked the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and I just started asking some random people if they've known my dad and they're like go to that office go there so I asked them please I just want to see a file of my dad and see if there's any link that says he had children and maybe my name might be there to prove because we've been traveling with him so I was looking and this man just took an interest said oh I knew your father I knew he was such this, da, 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 da. I said, oh, that's good. And then I told him what I was facing. 
And he said, oh, okay, he showed me everything. But I couldn't find any documents that linked my dad to myself. I'd seen, okay, I had children, but not in specific way of listing all the kids' names. So I went back home again. I cried. I said, God, you can't leave me here. I cannot cope. I will die. Nigeria is hard. I need to escape. Please, God, help me. Whew. So in this place, I remember that time I fasted three days nonstop, no food, nothing. You know, it was really hard, but I, I needed God to give me a breakthrough. I needed God to open the door for me. So I went back to that office, met this gentleman again. We got talking, and he said he was from a place called Oweri. And I said, my mom is from Oweri as well. Now, I lost my mom at the age of nine, so I hadn't been home. You know, I probably went to my mom's place when I was four or five. So I said, I'm going to go home. There's nothing else for me to be doing here. I might as well just trace back all my roots, let everybody know I'm around, and just get on with it, because I can't live now. I'm stuck. So the man said, he has an uncle back home as well, that I should go and meet him. I said, I think my family might still be there. At least let me let them know that I'm around. And that was how I went home. I asked my uncle, do you know where my mom comes from? He said, no, we don't know. We don't know the exact place. We know it's this state, but we don't know exactly where. So I said, okay. I called the, the, the man back in the office, and he gave me the address of his uncle. And I went. And those of you from Nigeria, you know Nigeria is a very adventurous place. <laughs> going, meeting random people that you don't know. But I was just going. So I took a trip, got on the bus. So imagine you're traveling from here to Scotland, maybe a good 16 hours plus trip. It was early in the morning, 5 o'clock, I set out in this luxurious bus. And I went and it was 9 p.m. when I got down everywhere, pitch dark. And this old man came out and he said, are you Isioma? That's my name, you know, which means good destiny. And he said, I said, yeah, it's me. And I'm scared. God, help me, please. <laughs> I don't know this stranger, but I'm just going to follow him. We got on the motorbike. I don't know where he's taking me, but I went with him. He said, I've made this little place on the floor for you to sleep. Just manage with us. Thank you. He gave me tea, gave me bread. I ate. I said, God, I'm still alive. Thank God. Oh, please, let me survive this night, please. <laughs> and the next morning I woke up. I now saw his face properly, and I told him why I have come. And I told him, I'm looking for a family. Their last name is called Okereafo. That's my mom's maiden's name, maiden's name. And they said, oh, that's going to be hard. This is a big town. Where do we start from? I'm like, we have to start somewhere. <laughs> Let's start. And they said, there are six of them. The only thing I could remember when I was little is that, you know when they tell you the horror stories. So we have this horror story about a tree. Man, it is massive and dark, you know, proper evergreen tree. Like, you, you have nightmares. So I just told him, 
I know there's a tree. That's all I know. He's like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and we, we set out. We got on a motorbike again. And we started going to the different Okera for family. And when I opened my mouth, they could tell this one is a bit lost and foreign. I think she's our family member. I'm like, no. <laughs> and we, we went, people asked questions. I asked them, have you heard of Patricia, which was my mom's name? And they said, no. Some who wanted to be very sharp and cheeky said, yes, you are our family member. We've been looking for you. I'm like, no, you don't know me. No, no, no. <laughs> but then we got into this last house. And as soon as I got into the living room, I could see the photo of my mom framed out there. And my uncle was sitting right there in the dark. And as soon as he saw me, he shouted and he thought he saw his sister. And I said, no, it's me. And they had not seen me as a little child. They were in shock. And he called all the village people and they're like, wow. That's Patricia's child. We haven't seen them. We don't know where they are. Nobody's ever reached out to us. And we heard and we caught up. And I told him, Uncle, actually, I know you're happy, but I am lost myself. What is it that you want? I told him, I'm just looking for anything, anything that will prove that, you know, my parents lived here. My uncle got into one of the rooms. And you know the old things, uh, metal boxes. He brought these red and black boxes. And in all of them were files my mom had kept. The old Barclay Bank, the time she was in school, every document listed, my original birth certificate, everything, photos, everything. Man, I was, God, when you're in it, you're in it all the way. God kept me safe, he provided, and he made it possible. When I went back for the interview, I didn't need to say anything. I just gave them the file, and the lady put the stamp, and it was done. And that's what God does. Thank you so much, Brenda, and what a great encouragement. The, I, I want to encourage you off the back of that, God sees the details. Remember last week we were speaking about Elroy. God sees, and God sees the beginning from the end. He knows what it is you need in the situation that you are facing. We're going to hear from, from Tony now. So let's encourage Tony as he comes and shares this morning. Thank you, Brenda. Really inspiring. I was just looking again at some of the definitions there. Kairos, a favorable moment a decision or action. I've really enjoyed this word. I've really enjoyed reflecting on it, just drawing out. It, it's one of those words that, that, oh, there's so much meat to it, you can keep on chewing and chewing away at it. And um, just when I was reflecting on it, I realized that the Greeks really presented us with some special words which will allow us to go to another depth that we often can't reach in our English language. We generalize too easy with the word love or even the kairos being just an opportunity. But this is very specific and, and 
the Greeks applied it in a very special way. And, and to me, a picture often means a lot more than words. And if I can just give you this picture and just formulate it in your mind there, an archer. And in the real days of the civilizations when the Bible was written and, and the Greek language was most effective, archers were somebody to be seen and respected and so necessary in society, not just for defense, because you were there to defend not just your town or your country, but sometimes your home, your property, but also is needed for hunting. So the archer was somebody who was well-trained, somebody who was prepared. But there was a particular point of time where the archer was at his most effective. And when do you think that most effective time is? It's actually the second he lets go of the arrow. That is the moment, the Kairos moment. But to have that Kairos moment, you've got to have a lot of situations lining up. You've got to be in the right place. You've got to be at the right time. You've got to be the right person. You've got to have the right purpose. And most importantly, you've got to take the right action. There's five ingredients to make up the Kairos moment. And the archer is a good demonstration of what that means. So I think the Greeks got that right. You know, and so often in life these days, we like to think of things as being a good opportunity. We'll often talk about the right place, the right time. Sometimes we say, ah, oh, cometh the moment, cometh the man. And yes, we can put points in history where we've seen that happen. I was born during the Second World War and people would often quote, well, with Churchill, right moment, right man. But we judge this often in hindsight. We look back and we just see what's happened. But God is infinite. God is present. God is operating in that level all the time. And not only is he operating it in specific areas, he's operating it for everyone. The lovely verse just in Isaiah there, and it said that God formed you and I. He said that God made man. And then he said that he made us for his glory. There's a depth to that, isn't there? But then he says a third thing. He says, I called you by name. Now, if you link all those things together with what we're talking about, Kairos, we start to realize there is a depth to this word. It is that action that brings together those five ingredients and draws it together. And that's part of the testimony, really, of my life as I look back and I relate it to this word kairos. I can tell you a date, 26th of June, 1967. I can tell you the place, Nottingham Arena, the Billy Graham Crusade. I can tell you a person, it was a hungry person spiritually, devoid of much of what I needed to make the full person. And I can tell you the purpose. I heard the call of God. God had got his purposes and they aligned with where I was at on that date, at that time, in that place. And I knew I had to take an action. And that was my Kairos moment. I aligned all those five things by me taking an action. 
And so often, you know, in our Christian life, we miss out some of those elements. I'm very guilty of it sometimes, is that I just see perhaps four of those things coming, but I haven't taken the right action. I've missed an opportunity, more than I would ever want to confess. Opportunities that I perhaps don't even know about. But once you come into the full realisation of God's purposes, and once you respond to that call, then you see that those Kairos moments are available to us all time, any time. And I've been able to look back, and it's a blessed time. You know, there used to be a time in my life when I used to enjoy making five-year plans. Now I don't bother buying green bananas. And it's important to realize that there are seasons you can look back on your life and you say, wow, that really was a Kairos moment. And that's the sad thing often, as I think, is that we only know what we should have done after the event because the alignment of all those things is not easy. I remember even in my engineering days, and we used to have to do a lot of investigations. I was in the aviation business, and sometimes, sadly, there were incidents which were quite severe, and we could never find the root cause of them. And uh, what we did is we used what was called the Swiss cheese effect. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that, but if I gave you a block of cheese, Swiss cheese, you'd say, and I'd say to you, now, can you see through that? And you say, no, I can't, it's just a block of cheese. But if you then knew that inside there were bubbles which had been formed when the cheese formed, and bubbles were there, and if I cut it into slices, I could line those slices up in such a way that you could see through the hole. And then I'd say to you, can you see through the cheese now? Oh, yes. And that's often how it is with circumstances. It's how often we had to investigate things that happened. You had to line up certain things. And Kairos is very much like that. When you look through God's perspective, then the only perspective that I can use, that bubble that I keep looking at, is, is does that glorify God? That's my bubble I look through. And just keep going through my mind continuously is this phrase that the chief end of man is to glorify God. And that comes straight from that scripture there in Isaiah. Why did God glorify us? Why, sorry, why did God create us? He created us for his glory. And unless what I'm doing is for his glory, then I can't truly call it a Kairos moment. I can look at many incidents that happened in my life. They actually didn't have anything to do with God, but they were very, very necessary in the circumstances of my living. But there are many other times when all I could do was cry out to God. The scripture says, let your request be known to God. And that's the start. That puts into motion. And then you watch those circumstances do a line. Not that you look for them, but so often you will see them in hindsight. I just want to encourage you, each one of you can align those bubbles of circumstances and say, yes. Glory went to God, because that's the whole basis of our creation. God said, I made and I formed you. I made you for my glory, and I call you by name. Amen.
Helen, can you come up? We're going we're to pray and let's, let's just stand to our feet just as we close this morning. Because at the end of this time where we've focused so much in on Kairos and what God is doing in this moment and in this season, I just want to end by, by just praying over that statement that Tony just made and that challenge for each of us. What is our next action? It may not actually even be a a doing. It may be a a resting in what God is doing, believing in that as an action. It may be believing. It may be declaring. Or it may be that you know you need to reach out to somebody. You know you need to make something right, whatever it might be. I don't want to prescribe that myself. I want the Holy Spirit just to begin to speak into our lives. Each of us have the ability to hear from God for ourselves and just in these moments as Brenda was speaking and as Tony was speaking just the Holy Spirit just dropping things into our hearts and into our minds Heavenly Father would you make it clear to us in this Kairos season as things are lining up Lord as those holes are lining up that we would be able to see through Lord Lord would you Make it so clear to each and every single one of us what our next action is. That may be just to stand and to see you come through for us. That may be to to press in 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 prayer. It may be, as Brenda did, to fast. It may be to reach out and to to forgive somebody or to ask for that forgiveness. It may be to, to pick up a phone and to make that relationship right, whatever it might be. Heavenly Father, would you just speak that to us through your Holy Spirit today? And Lord, would you give us courage and strength and as Brenda said, boldness to do whatever it is that you are calling us to in this season. Father, thank you that we are alive on the earth for such a time as this. Father, thank you that as we've been saying in this series, there is purpose written over each and every single one of our lives and over each and every single day that we live. Father, may the rest of today, may tomorrow morning when we wake up be a day that is full of purpose. But Lord, may we not just go through life just doing the mundane routine nine to five. May we look at our lives and say, God, is this for your glory? Use my day for your glory. Use my marriage for your glory. Use my relationships, my friendships for your glory. Use my finance for your glory. Use every single part of who I am for your glory. And Father, we thank you for times in the past where we've seen Kairos moments as Tony said that we look back with hindsight and we want to just give you glory and praise and thank you today for all those moments in our lives Lord our moment of salvation our moment of first steps our moments where you've healed us our moments where you've come through for us Father we never want to take that for granted and as we look back we give you thanks but as we look forward Lord and as we look at our present Father we thank you that in these moments you are doing a good work in us and through us father we simply say more would you just continue lord to just work in our lives and through our lives over our families over our neighborhoods over this community that you have placed us in for such a time as this and lord i thank you that we will look back at the end of a calendar year this year or a decade whatever it might be and we will look back and have testimony after testimony that came out of this season that you were speaking to us as a church and as individuals in Jesus name we pray Amen. Amen
and amen. Let that be our challenge as we step into a new week. What is your action? God bless you, and we'll see you back here next Sunday morning.